Who are you? Good question. Where do you even come from? Definitely in the right spot. Where will you go now? I don't know. It depends on the randomizer. No ship, Sherlock. Where did you learn to deal with your enemies like that? Pull to open. Pull to open. Yes, and what do you do? We're just a crew. That's hilarious. Do you wear robes and, and big hats? I suppose. I'd have done it a bit differently, personally. I mean, this section definitely needs a bit of work. Hey, hey, Captain. Not a bad day, am I? You should meet me, Mum. Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, the entire television series, in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. Yahara, mateys, and I I be Chris Taylor, and oh, that's no. the end of my talking like a pirate. We're not going to do that. We are not. But maybe the randomizer wants us to do that, you know, Pete? Maybe maybe this is part of our uh, part of the curse. I part think you should have the option to talk as a pirate or wear an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> or both and have a hook as well. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, and well, uh, we, we have been on this piratical adventure for some time. For some time. In fact, 101 episodes, right, Pete? That's right. Yeah, last week was our 100th episode when we had our guest on, Brian Young, to talk about Knock Knock. Super fun time, but we were so, so caught good. up in talking to our guest and having such a great time talking about that episode. We really didn't make much about that. We have done a hundred of these guys, a hundred podcasts here on the pull to open feed. And more than just saying that as like, Hey, what a great milestone. I want to say thank you so much to all the listeners who keep us going week after week talking about Dr. Who. We really love interacting with you guys on the podcast uh, when we read reviews and stuff or on social media and hearing about all your feedback so thank you for going with us for 101 episodes on this journey. Damn. Damn. And yeah. Here's to, I mean, here's to at least 200 more because we've got a lot of Doctor Who still to do, even if you don't count the Doctor Who that is being made right now. Oh, that, that, that is as nothing uh, compared to the 200 and something of the show that we still have to tackle. Yeah, it's not been an exact uh, correlation of like number of Doctor Who stories that we've done. We haven't done 100, 100 Doctor Who stories. We've done a lot of side trips, uh, side quests. Please go check them out as well. Uh, I particularly enjoyed doing the, the rage quitting episode of Doctor mm. Who. If you've ever done that, one of our um, most popular uh, episodes on YouTube. Yeah, some yeah, of those side yeah. quests uh, go even further than our commentaries. They they do, and it's it's fascinating. And of course, the the more knowledge that we gain, I feel like we are a Doctor Who species ourselves, kind of going through the galaxy and sucking knowledge from every story that we pass. Uh, and well, uh, yeah, speaking let's... of some of those stories that we've passed recently. <laughs> Guys, uh, we were sort of stuck in the John Pertwee era for a short trip or a short while. Yeah, we exiled. Exiled to looking at the future Earth history uh, in two stories called The Frontier in Space as well as The Mutants. Last time, just as I said, we were talking about Knock Knock with our guest Brian Young. Thanks again, Brian, for swinging by Pulls It Open, who's usually Brian's usually seen on the Full of Sith podcast, which is all that's about right, that's right. Certain other franchise, I think another uh, franchise that we won't mention here, but uh, but he has done six hundred episodes, so he's yeah, feel like like a like a wee band next to the size of his podcast. We're amateurs. Uh, We're basically in the Hartnell era of our own podcast <laughs> compared right. to him. We haven't even regenerated yet. Uh, but anyway. uh, guys, you might, those of you have been with us for a while on our journey, you might remember a little over a month ago, we were supposed to go to a story, and that story was The Curse of the Black Spot. 
And we didn't go to that story because <laughs> when we activated the randomizer, uh, their vision might have been a little occluded. It might have there might have been an eye patch involved. We're, we're still investigating, <laughs> but we looked at the wrong number and we ended up actually going to the unquiet dead. Mm. And we have reasoned through the adventures we've been rocketed through since that we're we're cursed. We must be cursed now from the yes. curse of the black spot because the randomizer really, really, really wanted us to have a big pirate adventure. Yeah. So it, it took us to the pirate planet right after that, which is the randomizer's equivalent of saying, I said pirate story. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. now, folks, that's bringing us to where we're at today, which is the second special of 2022 Legend of the Sea Devils. Uh, legend airy uh it is not um <laughs> wait for it um i gotta say the like i i think the randomizer is kind of going for a pirate bingo here so correct yeah. me if i'm wrong i think there are three other episodes that are could be considered pirate episodes one's obviously curse of the black spot Yahar. then there's the space pirates famously Yahar. like completely missing <laughs> from the archives mm. And there's also Enlightenment, which I don't know if it's that piratey, mm. but it kind of has pirates in it. So there's like space ships, like clipper ships that are on yeah, floating that's in space. literally all I remember from Enlightenment is yeah. that episode one cliffhanger. Ships in space. I'm, I'm including Enlightenment. I think you need Enlightenment as pirate bingo because there's just too much pirate imagery on i think the captain's name is rat captain rack's ship she is like mm. she's clearly like modeled after pirate ships so right. i'm including that one in power so we have three more to go for pirate bingo so uh I'm, that's I, that could be my challenge for the randomizer this week i don't know and, and apparently one more to go for for pirate queen bingo uh which is what we have in legend of the sea devils but what we also have in legend of the sea devils uh is a, a reference to an old segment we used to have called has chris watched legend of the sea devils yet and here's the thing here's the really really spooky thing about the randomizer it was a year ago i discovered later that day after we recorded the last podcast the randomizer took us to legend of the sea devils exactly one year after i finally watched legend of the sea devils whoa uh, spooky right i'm scared um, of the randomizer now yeah i think we all should be i think there should be a whole bunch of sort of you know the kremlin the new kremlinology of academia should be studying the messages from the randomizer because i think we're on something here but anyway in all seriousness like this was when i finally watched legend of the sea devils it turned out to be as regular listeners know my dad passed away last year he was the one who introduced me to doctor who I've watched a lot of Doctor Who with him. This would end up being the last Doctor Who that I saw. Uh, we did, uh, alas, we didn't even watch it together, but we saw it. I saw it in the same house as he was uh, that time, and it would be the last time I'd ever watch Doctor Who. And not that I knew that at the time, but um, that sort of sent me on this weird nostalgic bent. And, and Pete, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to date myself here because I figured out, given that my dad was a, was a watcher of uh, Doctor Who when I was born, um, we would have watched um, the 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 last uh, Pertwee season together. Oh my! Um, mm. I mean, I'm sure I don't have any actual memories of that. But right. technically, the first Doctor Who that was on BBC when I was live was the Time Monster. Oh wow! So yeah, well, also well, also a season with Sea Devils in it. I'll just throw in, that out there. Indeed, indeed, the first season with the Diamond logo that is now back. Um, mm. There's a lot of interesting connections. Uh, Oh, no, wait, you're talking so, about the Sarah Jane. 
this yeah, yeah, the season. time monster. Okay, yes, sorry. The, yes. the uh, time yeah, monster is actually earlier. You're thinking the time warrior. Ah, uh, that's the one. Yes, yeah, yeah. time warrior. Time Monster would have been the first uh, December 1973. Once again, dating myself, but uh, yeah, that was that was it. So this vast, nearly 50 year swathe of mm. of uh, Doctor Who that that we either watched together or were around for in the Colin Baker era. I was watching; he was generally in the kitchen. Um, but you know, <laughs> it was it was kind of our thing, and uh, so yeah, it's the the randomizer taking us here when it is uh it is this month that will be uh the one year anniversary of his passing and uh it's sort of so it's it's kind of meaning something to me personally as well and it's sort of interesting that the randomizer is kind of doing this idris like thing right it's taking us to where we need to go and we saw that last week with brian talking about how the fact that he and his daughter valkyrie like are, are gonna watch that capaldi season together now Right, right, yeah. and it, it, the randomizers made a marked difference in our lives, uh, mm. which is fascinating. So, uh, good on your randomizer. Yeah. We're a little worried, but uh, but hey, I'm I'm so in this adventure uh, of yeah. of where the randomizer is going to take us next. I'm fascinated. Fascinated. There's hidden wisdom here, the randomizer Indeed. for sure, taking us where we need to go. Wow. Very powerful. Well, guys, uh, I know we're a little bit further into the show than we usually are when we give this note, but if you're here only for our commentary on Legend of the Sea Devils, there should be a note prominently in the show notes, either on your podcast app or on YouTube. Just scroll down a bit, and there'll be a note on the exact time code when that commentary starts, which, of course, always starts with our awesome segment of TLDW, where one of us summarizes the plot of the story in record time. Uh, but if you, <laughs> I'm always like, there's always this awkward transition where I'm like for everyone else, which is everyone else, right? You're going to stick around for the pull to open feedback loop. Yeah, it, it definitely includes me, uh, me listening in a week's time. Uh, we'll, we'll not check the show notes. I'll not go forward, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm going to enjoy whatever it is we're about to say. So uh, yeah, let's, Let's get to the feedback loop, which includes not just uh, catching you up on everything that we've done. It also includes the Humoji Challenge, so it's kind of our fun game show segment begins now. Um, but before we start all of that, listeners, I, I want to take you aside for a little fireside chat, because one of the best ways, if you do love the show Pull to Open, uh, and I know you do, because you're listening right now, please leave a review in the podcast app that you're using. Especially if it's Apple Podcasts or an iPhone, just fire that app up. Uh, leave a five-star review if you think we're worth it. Leave a no-star review if you th- if you think we're not. But hey, you're a pull to open listener. You're kind. Uh, you know, uh, you will never you be cruel. Zero never stars would be cruel. Cowardly, <laughs> um, and uh, that makes it uh, us appear to more listeners who who desperately need need this commentary in their lives, just as. We needed the randomizer in hours, and we didn't know it. So uh, bring them into the cult of the randomizer with a review and share it with a random friend. That's right. Use the randomizer to go through your contacts. Find a random friend who you've not spoken to for years. Just send them this podcast as a text. Just do it. Good <laughs> things will happen in your life. I guarantee it. I sort of feel like we're, we're devolving into the plot of uh, Dice Man. Have you ever read that novel? from the 70s but it was this guy who ends up running his entire life by the role of the dice like he makes up not. things he's gonna do wow really interesting a novel. like a, a batman villain there 
yeah, it kind of goes in a dark direction. But uh, but hey, don't listen, don't read that. Yeah, forget about the 1970s novel, The Dice Man. Just randomly share the podcast with a friend. It'll go fine. Seriously. I feel like the, the Dice Man tra- brand has been a little sullied sometime <laughs> in the 80s for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like a good good thing to do. Sounds like a good novel. And mm-hmm. it sounds like a good way to back into the Hemoji <laughs> Challenge. Which we now have music for. So yeah, man. We got music we for it all. A little, little shout out. Is, is that Martin West? That's Martin West. Martin hey, West, who does all our music. Thank you, Martin. A little jingle for the Humoji Challenge. And uh, it's a signal that I get to torture Chris for a couple minutes by describing emojis mm. that form a Doctor Who title. These are all user-submitted. You can send one to us either via review or via social media. We're at pull yeah. to open 63 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And, of course, pull to open all one word. And... On- TikTok. to open 63 on threads. Oh, that's right. We're on threads. Hit this us up is, on threads. We are recording this. This is the first podcast that we recorded after the sudden explosion of threads, which is, according to some measures, that the fastest growing app in history. Uh, largely linked to Instagram, of course, if you don't know it. It's, it's, a, it's a, another Facebook uh, way to suck down all of your personal data. I mean, fabulous, <laughs> wonderful, time-wasting social network. Um, but we're on there, and I saw we, we got some Huboji challenges on threads already, uh, which I had to uh, not look at. Um, <laughs> but but thanks to whoever sent those in, because I didn't look. Um, but yeah. Thank you very much, everyone. And the, we've got a bunch from various folks, and I've got one yeah. here today to hit Chris with. But Chris, this is an unusual one for an unusual week. Oh, with God. Okay. All the threads and everything else. So I'm going to preface this one that you're going to need to expand your mind beyond the TV show mm-hmm. continuity. Uh-oh. And I do feel like I am, might be giving away too much even by saying that. But mm. so expand beyond just TV uh, uh, titles of Doctor Who stories that have been on television. Ooh. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know. No, if I will. Gonna... <laughs> if you don't get it, yeah, it's fine. But I, I do. I will say. I also know you're not like the, done a ton of big finish. Nope. Don't worry about that. Okay. That's all I can say. All right. I don't. I, I don't mean, want to I reveal too much and narrow it too much of, before. I know some of the comic strips, but you're saying this is not one of the 302 stories in our in our. Uh, it is not in the codex. codex. Yeah, oh, I'm kind okay. of revealing that a bit. So. All right. All right. Well, you know, so, then, then I don't worry. Uh, is is it not in the codex yet? I I I've said too much already. <laughs> I'll, I'm, you're basically getting into what I would give as hints. So I think uh, we should just okay. get going. You All ready, right, sir? I'm ready. All right. It is seven emojis. Oh dear God! First emoji, finger pointing left. Second emoji, finger pointing right. Third emoji, finger pointing up. Fourth emoji, finger pointing down. If you're not on YouTube, by the way, I'm, I'm doing all of these just to kind of uh, <laughs> put it straight in my head. All right, all right. Fifth emoji, hands fanned and open in front of you. Uh, okay. Sixth emoji, hands up, you know, like the... Whoa. We're, we're hands, jumping hands up. All over hands the up. Place. Yeah. And the seventh emoji, hourglass. 
Oh dear God! So uh, it's a bunch of hands pointing. Open. Uh, Yay! Okay, Power so this glass. has got to be one of those like cross media. Oh no! Is it dimensions in time? Ooh, it is dimensions in time. Nicely done. I mean, I think I feel like I, I prepped you a lot in the needing to expand beyond the canon. You did, but I was yeah. I was trying to run through things like Time Lord Victorious. No, that's that's a big finish thing. Like that's mm-hmm. mostly a big finish thing. Uh, yeah, and Dimensions of Time actually come came up in my uh, research for this because there was there was like oh what, have the Sea Devils been in? It? Weren't the Sea Devils briefly in Dimensions in Time? I don't think know. <laughs> Who even knows what happens in Dimensions in Time? Who even, is, it, is it? Does it? Did it really exist, or was it? Did it happen? No, no. You know, it's, it's one of those movies that uh, people convinced themselves existed. Um, exactly, but yes. we know that the Humoji challenge happened, and it just happened because of the contribution of one Nat Smith on Thank Twitter. You, Thank you, Nat. That was a good one. Uh, too good to ignore, only because it was outside of the regular continuity. Yeah. Uh, I just really like the uh, the combination there so much. It was super yeah, clever. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a bottle episode of the Humanity yeah. Challenge. We've, we've gone into a pocket universe for that one. We'll figure out a way to get this in the Codex, even though Dimensions in Time isn't. Uh, I think we'll get some notes at the bottom somehow. Start but a whole bit. new Codex. Yeah. All right, moving on. Hey guys, you. I'm talking to you, Spotify listener. That's right. You, sir, can do more with Pull to Open if you have not already. Not only can you rate the show. On your mobile app, you can give it a star rating just right now. You can just pause the playback, open it up, give it whatever star rating you want. Again, the five stars is just the thing that I'm thinking of right now for some reason, but you can Mm -hmm. do it. But not only that, you can fire up the poll feature on your Spotify app and give your rating for the episode we're about to talk about. So we're going to have our voice. We're going to say what we are going to say about Legend of the Sea Devils. We want to hear from you too. What did you think of Legend of the Sea Devils? And you can give it one of our trademark pull to open ratings, whether it's a Dalek, an Ogron, a Viscount Banger, all the other ones, and have your say. And at a future podcast, we will reveal those results, just as I'm about to do for the Mutants. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're going to remind you, I think, uh, at the end of the podcast. I think we should start doing that. Uh, just put in a reminder, after pull to open, poll to open. Yeah. Uh, if you're a Spotify listener, go go and rate the show that we just talked about. Uh, anyway, but we'll get to that. We have Mutants results. And for the Mutants, we both gave it a Professor Hater, mm-hmm. uh, which is our rating for... And, and, and actually, I think I'm going to change this rating, but we'll get to that. Uh, I can retroactively change this rating. Time can be rewritten. Um, but that's our rating for if it's, if it's a bad episode of Doctor Who, but hey, at least we learned something. And you, you had to be pulled out of the precipice of giving it an Ogron, as I recall. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I did. It, it was dancing in between, and I thought it was kind of an imperfect rating, and we'll, we'll get to whether there could be a better mm-hmm. rating for it. So you guys have had your say. And it looks like you like the mutants. It's yeah. fully half of the people who voted are rated it a Dalek, which is a good episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. And I, I, I can understand that. I almost did. I just, there's just two, it just, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a six episode plotter. Borderline of uh, something. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. yeah. There, there are definitely things, like I say, they tried. It didn't really work for the most part, but there are good parts to the mutants for sure. Um, and yeah. sort of bringing up the rear, uh, about half, well, about a quarter of the people voted it a Professor Hater, just like Chris and I did. Mm-hmm. And another quarter 
gave it a fixed point in time, which I always fixed feel like we need a time. note there. We need some kind of like, if you give it fixed point in time, please write a note. In fact, I'm just going to say yeah. that right now. There's there's actually a Q&A episode, a part of the Spotify app too. If you do give it a fixed point in time, please use the yeah. Q&A on Spotify to tell us why you did that. Yeah, and you know what? You you can you can also rate it on other other places. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave your leave your own rating in the comments down below. I always want to do that on a YouTube video. Uh, down right there where I'm pointing. Um, tell mm-hmm. us tell us what you thought of our ratings. Uh, whether or not the rating system exists as it currently does, we'll get to that. Um, also, yeah. don't forget to like and subscribe the video, guys. Yeah, guys wait, on YouTube, you got obligated to say, yeah, that's bell, right. bell icon, notifications, etc. We love yeah, you guys on YouTube. From YouTube, it just stands off screen and points a gun at you if you don't say that. So <laughs> we've got to. Um, and uh, yeah, please like the video you're watching. And we have uh, lots of comments on YouTube. And Pete's now going to read the comment of the week. Yep. It's from friend of the pod, JC17Ace. And this is on one of our videos about frontier in space and ace i'm just gonna call you ace says delgado is great and what he does with the master is always interesting even when the narrative role of the character begins to grow slightly stale definitely a tragic loss however Mm -hmm. a question i have seen raised is whether or not a delgado delgado finale could have allowed the character of the master to have been used again is this sort of slightly unsatisfying ending the reason we get stories like the deadly assassin and some of the great master stories. And I would say yeah. it probably is, honestly, because I feel like they were a bit more sticklers for continuity back then. I know that sounds silly to even stay, but I do feel like <laughs> the uh, guardrails from with, within which the writers were operating were fairly stri- stricter. In other words, there wasn't, and I think this isn't just a Doctor Who thing. I think there was just more of a rigidness to thinking about continuity yeah. back in the day. And now I think it's much more sort of free form of like, oh, as long as you write something that is passable, as if it's a good story, we'll figure out a way to do it. Um, so I do think that they, they would not necessarily have seen that opportunity as early as they did in the Baker mm. era due to the Deadly Assassin had there been a finale, a, a, a clear death and end to the master in that final Pertwee season. Well, I'm going to disagree with you here. Uh, I think that... Uh, it would have happened regardless. I believe something like The Deadly Assassin would have happened regardless. Because mm. I think that, yes, you know, we know that Delgado wanted to have a final story and be written out and do a thing where he has a character arc and he saves the Doctor. Yes. But it's already been established that he's a Time Lord. Mm. And Time Lords regenerate. So you'd either have to deal, as you were actually writing the script, with the question of, well, why doesn't the Master just regenerate? Or you give Delgado what he wants which is a definitive ending to his version of the master, but you leave open the possibility that the master regenerates, uh, which of course, you know, would, would, would come to be the case. And we'd come to expect that, that the master would kind of, uh, you know, in one leap that happened off screen, be free and, and regenerate. And we never know exactly why um, that, that would start to kick in after this with deadly assassin. But I, I think that maybe the, the demands of storytelling just take you there anyway. I think it would have, I think, don't get me wrong, I think they would have eventually either brought back the Master or some other mm. sort of rival character, whether he's a Time Lord or not, but is at the Doctor's level. I think that would have happened regardless, because that's just interesting and kind of a almost 
I don't want to say formula, but a thing you're mm. almost obligated to do to sort yeah. of have that ideological opposite of your hero. Yeah, um, yeah. What I would say is like, I, I think the opportunity would not have been, been would not have been as obvious because it's mm -hmm. clearly like, oh, there was no, there, there was no end to the master. It's just kind of a dangling thread there. And without that dangling thread, I don't know if they would have thought, oh, let's, let's grab that. Right. Uh, so maybe, maybe the villain in the Deadly Assassin becomes different, but you know what? Then we also don't get Anthony Ainley, uh, which is, hmm. uh, and I have to say, I know. Look, I know you got his autograph, Pete, but uh, <laughs> I don't know the, the sort of the pantomime villain that the doctor, that the master became in the Davison era, is I, I think is one of the elements that hasn't really aged well uh, in in the show, and it's unfortunate. And Ainley is clearly enjoying himself, and he's chewing up scenery. Uh, but I, I don't know, a Davison era without Ainley, uh, suddenly mm. seems to me like that, that could have like the plots could have more room to breathe and, you know, uh, Hey, me, maybe even time flight could have been interesting. I'd say some of the Ainley stories aren't th that great, not necessarily because of him, but I, d I really do like Ainley in that first sort mm. of trilogy of yeah. Keeper of Track. And I, I don't oh, yeah. think he's full pantomime yet, but he's also like certainly twisting his mustache more than yeah uh, oh absolutely i mean in legopolis but i love it i just love yeah. i just love that stuff maybe it's just a taste thing but legopolis so. castrovalva uh, you're absolutely right the first ancient any trilogy is is wonderful so yeah maybe we just need to kick him around for that uh but anyway thanks for commenting please add your own comment uh that we will discuss endlessly like nerds on the air and uh yeah we do so on tiktok uh, our most active network where we post short videos all the time. Pete, how many how many followers are we up to on, on TikTok? We're at 11,400, roughly. Almost 11,500. Holy helmet for a space cow, Batman. <laughs> um, that is that is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, TikTokers, uh, who may not even be listening to this because you're just watching all of our TikToks instead of listening to the actual podcast. Um, but anyway, thank you. Thank you. Uh, keep commenting. Please, please keep commenting. Please don't be shy. Uh, I know that's a weird thing to say to people on TikTok, but um, but yeah, drop I got to say on. just a, a quicker another shout out to our TikTok audience. They've mm -hmm. been so great with their comments. I, I hope we haven't highlighted a lot of comments from TikTok lately because I think uh, YouTube there's there's just a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of stuff happening on YouTube that's just really really good. But mm -hmm. I, I've learned so much about the show honestly from TikTokers and had some of the some of the best comments we've had are from TikTok folks who are sort of taking what we're saying and sort of bringing it to the next level like and for example it were, were it not for our tiktok audience i would not have put together the relationships in blink uh mm. between her, her friend yeah, her right. friend's daughter the guy um billy shipton marries and all that stuff yeah. like it's just not quite obvious enough to see but once once you see it it's like oh my god it's just yet another dimension to an episode that's kind of almost universally loved so mm. thank you tiktokers for always engaging always bringing more to the table and you know we'll 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 keep highlighting and, and talking to you guys and maybe even doing a little more there maybe start doing yeah, some more I, lives at some point i love how doctor who fans continually learn from each other and inform each other that's part of the wonderful community that we're part of the larger community of doctor who fans and our little sub community of pull to open fans uh thank you thank you thank you for uh indulging uh us with uh, listening to this feedback loop 
Uh, but Which is coming things, to a close. All good things must come to an end. And and now it's time for uh, the legal drama that we like to call Chris argues for more time for his TLDW. That's a good a good <laughs> argument to make. Court's in session. What say you, sir? This is a special. Well, it's a special. And mm-hmm. even though it is just 45 minutes uh, or something like that, the, it's the shortest special right. ever made in doctor here which not not a special length not a special length however however i believe that we said i believe we made a rule about specials that you get a little bit of extra time because normally i would just have one minute to summarize this plot uh that's true we allocate one minute for a new episode However, I'm going to argue that, that because this is a special, uh, we, we should ignore the time limit. And what did we say for specials? Minute minute 30? No, we did not. Three minutes? We said 10 minutes for specials, right? Isn't it? <laughs> uh, we said about a minute 15. Okay. All right. I'll so take it. 75 take, seconds. I will take literally every second I can get for this mess. You know, even though on the merits, I disagree. I think 48 minutes, the whole idea is the runtime. Yeah. Gives you a minute in the in my own self interest for a future special. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. Uh, I'll okay. give you an extra 15 <laughs> seconds. So hey, thank you, thank you. Good because because my lawyers were preparing a petition to say that this was actually really supposed to be a four or a six parter. That, that's mm. part of what I'm going to talk about in our commentary. Uh, like it has that feel if you unpack the story to where it's supposed to be. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll take it. Of terror. Take... Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we're doing this. We're going to do right. the official pull to open summary of Legend of the Sea Devils begins in three, two, one, go. Seen as a Chinese fishing village, uh, the great uh, uh, sea captain, Madame Cheng, comes along and uh, uh, frees a sea devil statue that, that's weirdly in, in the village for some reason. A sea devil comes out and kills the guy who's trying to protect the statue who was attacking her. Cut to the TARDIS. Uh, she's cutting the same uh, shipping fishing village and the doctor Yaz and Dan come out and uh, the doctor's jewelry gets pulled by this uh, weird thing. And anyway, they, they find the sea devil attacking the village. Sea devil jumps on the, uh, the ship uh, a lot a lot of shenanigans happen with the, with the wreck of, a, of another ship, which is what uh, Madame Cheng was looking for. And uh, the Doctor and Yaz go back to that while while Dan and the guy from the village seconds. jump onto Madame Cheng's ship and then uh, end up crewing uh, uh, it with her. And there's a big, big battle with the sea devils who are trying to flood the earth with this keystone thing uh, that was actually being protected by this kid from the village. Uh, but uh, but they do, the Doctor Nyaz and Dan and, and, and Madame Cheng defeat the sea devils, and uh, they they uh, they Madame Cheng goes off with with the kid from the village. Uh, the Doctor and Yaz the Doctor tells Yaz that they can't have a relationship. Dan calls his his friend Dai and uh, says and they really misses her. Time. Wow. Wow. Great that job. Was sheer luck that I got to the end of that. Yeah. Um, Just under the wire. Yeah, just under the wire. I mean, I had to. I soon realized as soon as I was in like cold open territory, which is a classic, uh, classic problem yep. with with TLDW. I was like, I, I've just got Glass to trap. fast forward, fast forward here. Like, uh, there's yeah, there's the wreck. It's a mess. That's it's just totally a mess. This story <laughs> is a mess, and you you probably have your share of podcasts to listen to. Uh, talk about the fact that it is a mess let's talk about why it's a mess 
let's first of all set the scene. So the writer, the original writer on this was uh, a woman named Ella Rode. Right. And uh, according to Doctor Who magazine, so so she's she's a playwright, kind of an upcoming playwright in the UK, apparently getting involved in, in films in the US as well. So Chibnall saw oh, her. Good her. Great. Let's have, let's have her write Doctor Who. Fine. Uh, this was done during lockdown. Um, mm. And uh, basically, so she did three passes of the script. She's a new Doctor Who writer. She does three drafts. Uh, and then Chibnall does, comes in at the end and does a cleanup. And I think what, what he allowed out there is just malpractice. It's just malpractice for, for a script editor to, right. to allow this out there in that state. And they were basically like, oh, Road Talks is as if this is a positive in Doctor Who magazine. As if, you know, because she, she was already, as she was writing the drafts, like talking to the CGI people, talking to the people who were going to construct the set, which is the largest set ever in Doctor Who mm-hmm. um, for the ship. Very notable. And yeah, and uh, you know, so so like, Chibnall should have seen that this was not ready. This was not ready for prime time. And well, he should have cut some more things out of it. He seems to have cut things out of it, but he seems to have cut the wrong things. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that it was written by a playwright. I mm. think some of the things that were clearly not thought through are things that you wouldn't necessarily need to think through as much for the stage. Mm. So, I mean, I'm thinking specifically of like a lot of the action, especially towards the end where it's really just feels really tacked on with no stakes and things just sort of happen. And you're just like, okay. And and, and it's bad. It's bad action, frankly. And you, you're kind of like, this is supposed to have big production values and it's supposed to, have this epic scale because of that, but it just feels much smaller uh, yeah. because it's it's like there, there's just really you don't feel any of the stakes through most of it, other than you, you, you maybe the Doctor and Yaz, which uh, we'll we'll save that for later. But yeah, even that, even yeah. that. But like, let, let's talk about the uh, not the cold open, but the post credits open when we see the Doctor Yaz and Dan for the first time, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's sort of an illustration how how there's a missing scene here. Um, so the doctor and Yaz come out and they're wearing Chinese garb mm-hmm. and Dan comes out and he's wearing a, a stupid parts of the Caribbean Halloween costume, basically. Yeah. Emphasis on the stupid. He just looks like a yeah. goofball. And it's, we're, we're supposed to learn that they were, we, a lot of information is shoved down our throats in about three seconds. The information is they were supposed to be on a beach holiday. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to be going to a beach, which is, you know, shout out to, old school fans of the leisure hive uh you know like this happens a lot in old who but none uh, of them are classic. dressed for the beach none of them are dressed <laughs> for the beach they say they're a hundred years distant, but but the doctor and yaz are already dressed in chinese garb right like you know even the old show would like dress sarah jane correctly even if you th- had to throw in weird scenes like in genesis of the Daleks of just finding the clothes the next episode um you know, at least they explained it more. And then, so if they're going to the beach, why is Dan wearing a pirate costume? Well, that's the thing. They're not in a pirate adventure yet, or they don't know they are. That's why is he wearing a pirate outfit? Why is that like, and why is Yaz doing that? Like just to be funny. And then why is Dan even, why is Dan doing it? Like, why, why is he going along with it? Oh, I'll just dress up and be a big goofball. Are you you thinking you're going to a costume party? I mean, what's happening? Really, really needed the TARDIS scene before that. Exactly. if it wasn't in Ella Road's script, you write one, right? 
and you know, just a little bit of foreshadowing. Like may- maybe it is foreshadowing that Yaz sort of randomly dresses down up at a pirate as a pirate, and then, ooh, whoops, what's happening? Karma, karma is coming for you, Yaz, because you're actually going to be a pirate adventure now. You know, and that would just give us more uh, more of a sense of the background of this. It just it's just confusing well, right from the start. And so I just don't think Dan is well served by it. I, no. Again, I, I like John Bishop. I think he's all, but he's already fun. He's already a, a kind of a big goofy guy. And he's just sort of this naturally likable character. Like this is just too much. Like it's like, okay, I like likable characters, but I also like when in a show like Dr. Who, when the time comes to take them seriously, I need to take them seriously. And yeah. They rather than subvert the goofy look, they actually lean into it at a few times, and I think it makes the story even worse. The and I'll I'll just point out the worst uh, moment for that was towards the end during the aforementioned action, which is kind of garbage. Mm-hmm. Dan takes out a bunch of sea devils, and he sort of turns around in the middle of a lethal fight with these guys with swords that kill you if they touch you, and he's just like. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty good, right? And then Yaz goes like, he says like pretty good sword sword fighting, right? And he's like, it's better than your outfit. And it's like, well, wait a minute, like you put him in that outfit, number one. Also enough with the outfit. Like we've been joking about it. It was funny. Maybe like you could might defend it. It was funny in scene one. But by this point in the story, you're just kind of like, come on, enough without I mean, the outfit. I don't mind them leaning into it. I think my problem is that they didn't lean into stuff more. Mm. Uh, and, stuff? and what this is, well, all of this, like a like a, a TARDIS scene uh, about Dan, like, you know, leaning into Dan being the goofball, he could have been the guy who's confused about the history here, right? right. He could have been the audience, standing for the audience going, who's who's Madam Ching? Never heard of her. Right. And, and the doctor could be like, hey, you've heard of Blackbeard. You know, she had 10 times the number of ships. Right, you know, instead we're just supposed to understand the freaking history. You know, Dan could have served the role that that Ryan plays in Rosa, mm. uh, right? Because Ryan, you know, oddly doesn't know the history of the civil rights era that he's been thrust into, and and learns it, you know, and then that's his arc for Rosa is like learning this super important. Uh, yeah, in and history, I think right? I think you've identified sort of something wrong. Uh, there's a lot wrong with this episode, but the, mm. the the in terms of the history and what the assumed knowledge should be of the characters and that's the audience, like you're almost like, are we supposed to know who Madam Ching is? Like generally, I don't think it's really mm. widely known. And yes, they do give you a little bit of background, but there's, there's almost like, oh yeah. When it's really like, I think more realistically, it'd be like, who? Like, where yeah, are we? What exactly. are you talking about? Like, and I, I, I'm, that said, I'm all for historical representation here and totally. that like oh there's there's a whole part of the world that isn't really well known they have great stories and great rich history let's let's take doctor who as education a little seriously and yeah. illuminate that with with some great representational casting too as but, they did in the very first doctor who historical which we've been yeah. to recently marco polo which covered chinese history like that that's great that's baked into the show's dna but then do it like uh, and do it properly Introduce yeah. Madam Ching to us. What do you know from Madam Ching about mm-hmm. it, from this? Nothing. I, I had to Google <laughs> her afterwards to learn that that how large her fleet was. It's just lunacy. Um, especially well, when this is going on opposite, by the way. It it it, it started airing roughly the same time as our flag means death. Have you watched that? The uh no, I haven't. Taika Waititi uh 
uh, basically is LGBT uh, pirate drama uh, comedy, uh, kind of like this is sort of supposed mm. to be in some ways. And it just, it's so much better, but it's, it features Blackbeard. It features Taika Waititi as Blackbeard. Uh, so, you know, we get lots of examples of how fearsome and bigger pirate Blackbeard was. Let's have some of that with Madam Ching. I mean, we'll, we'll get into Chris's history corner later about Madam Ching, about mm. how this is just like, they get so much wrong about this period of her history specifically. Yeah. So like, if you're going to do it, do it. Don't get stuff yeah. wrong. Don't just totally invent another sea captain, Jihun, which is, you don't need him. Yeah, well, we'll get in the corner about that. No. I was a little confused of whether that was a, he's, a real person or not. He's um, not. Yeah, he's not. it's a complete fabrication, and which is okay. I mean, you can you can do license with history, but I I I don't know. Like, I feel like we're, we're piling on here. I want to get all my my negatives out of the way, and yeah. but there are some good moments in Legend of the Sea mm. Devils and some good things. We talked about the production values, but from a story standpoint, like mess might be an understatement. I, I, as I was taking notes on this show as I was watching it, and I didn't take that many. I, I started just noting a few notable moments, but then I just wrote nonsense. And then mm. I wrote nonsense piled on nonsense. Then nonsense piled on nonsense piled on nonsense. Like it just felt like they're just doing whatever and throwing in, occasionally explaining things, but a lot of the time not. And it just felt like really lazy sci-fi writing. I mean, it's kind of like, let's have a pirate adventure. We'll put on some silly outfits. Mm. Uh, let's, you know, open up our Doctor Who monster book, flip the pages and stab our finger in it on, <laughs> oh, it's the Sea Devils. Great. We'll put the Sea Devils in this. Uh, and then throw in some special effects and and hopefully people won't notice the story is just dumb and ridiculous. Like yeah. that really feels like what this is. And that's not Doctor Who. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't come to Doctor Who to be like, oh, here's some great special effects and the big spectacle of things and some goofy jokes. Um, you know, we 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 have franchises for that. <laughs> I'll I'll, yeah. I'll be kind and not mention them. But it's like this is I expect something a little more cerebral, a little more thoughtful. And again, it doesn't have to make total sense. Like Stephen Moffat gets away with this a lot in terms of not explaining stuff, but yeah. the beats have to be right. They and do. Here and they that are is wrong. Moffat, Moffat is good at storytelling beats, and he's especially good at storytelling beats, like in an hour format. Uh, like he, yes, he does overstuff his episodes with concepts. That's he's famous for that. But Chibnall really seems to have misunderstood the assignment, mm. and I, and I think this this has sort of cemented my view of the Chibnall era and of him. He's an old school fan. Like you know, he, he doesn't look like he's one a lot of the time because he seems kind of disrespectful to a lot of elements of the show. But no, actually, he is. Like the, I don't know if you've seen that famous uh, video of him, kind of like when he was on the BBC in his teens talking about Doctor Who as a fan of the show in the classic mm. era. Uh, but that, like, he looks very prim, which is the word that sort of sticks in my head when I think about that moment. Like, so he's an old school fan, but I think he's actually, he would have been better served if he had been born in that, in that era where he could be a classic Who writer. Like, he loves Malcolm Hulk, who, by the way, not enough to not misspell his name in the original, uh, uh, mm. you know, thank you to at the, in the end credits. But but still, like he knows Malcolm, he knows uh, Malcolm Hulk, the Sea Devils. Like he, he he's he's got all that down, and and I think having investigated this the mess of a story and seen what it was what it was probably supposed to be, and like all of the threads you could draw out of it if you had more time. If this was four episodes or six episodes, 
uh, you know, God forbid. But mm. like, if it had been given the room to breathe that a classic serial had, I think it actually would have been quite good. And I think that you would get that with a lot of Chibnall stories. Um, mm. I think, you know, uh, uh, Flux uh, has its own problems, but it is at least a story that has room across a whole season to breathe. Um, and, I, and I think that that's what, kind of what he was built for. And here he just sort of seems to have taken the lessons from the Moffat of the, and the R.T. Dira of, of just kind of randomly edit down your classic Who story. Uh, mm. Make sure that there's lots of action and jokes in there and big bombastic moments. And the audience won't know the difference. So you don't actually need to edit it down in a coherent way. Uh, mm. like, or like a lot of editors, he just can't see... You know, he's too close to the story that he was editing. He can't see what a mess he's made of the edit. Yeah, no, I get a lot of that. I think it's it's just so hard to know, like how, like you say, how this sort of gets to air. And I, I got to say, we to be a little bit sympathetic. I think it was hard to make stuff during COVID, right? Like yeah. you, you, you limited time and limited resource, and there were just so many limitations put on you that I get the impression what often ended up in the can might not have been quite what they were aiming for and they just kind of had to work with it. All that yeah. said though, I, I, I don't think it, it should have been very obvious. They had very inept villains here that they just don't yeah. work. Like the, the, the sea devil captain is really dumb. Uh, there is no attempt made whatsoever to guard or restrain the doctor when they're in her power, mm-hmm. uh, when she's, when she's in their power. And, the the action at the end i've talked about it before but just to zero in on it a bit i don't think the sea devils hit one person with those swords <laughs> these are supposed to be warriors right yeah, like they have all these swords not yeah. only that they have these swords that glow which mm-hmm. i guess indicates they have that thing where the you get cut by one you'll die later which by the mm-hmm. way is incredibly diabolical and evil that is an evil weapon like it offers you no tactical advantage but it kills the person later after the battle is over that's right. evil. That is that is a thing like they have Geneva Convention type treaties about. That's a Seriously. diabolical weapon. And which is fact- with in in the like that happens in the cold open. That that is yeah. the, the one death that happens. But you can't just have one death in the cold open. And yeah, then exactly. Think you've established the threat. And the sea devils after that as far as I can tell, I don't think they get they don't get one kill. Like these are the yeah. most inept warriors even though like um Dan at one point literally does some kind of game controller l1 l2 x <laughs> swing round and round with his sword and kills every single sea devil yep. and it's just like oh okay and they all just kind of stand there and it's, and it's just a comedy moment of he learned to fight his because of his mum. i guess you know, i mean reference the, back to his mum. but by he, that it, point it, no, the, the, the one line whizzing uh, whether their explanations or comp outs i just stopped listening right i stopped caring so yeah. i was just my eyes were rolling too loudly at the actual mm-hmm. thing happening and i really didn't care what the throwaway dialogue was at that point so. i'll give you another example of of, of of tribunal kind of making this a mess like he doesn't we, we keep calling him like the chief sea devil he actually has a name that isn't used uh, in oh, the yeah? show, it's, it's Mar- Mar- Marcissus. Okay, Marcissus is that in great the name? Yeah, okay. It's, it's in it's in the uh, like in the description of of the. But it's never the official. It's never uttered on screen. Never uttered on screen, and he's described as chief sea devil in the credits. 
Mars is a, is a cool sounding name, especially if you're doing it for, for a sea pirate, right? Also, Mars. why isn't it Sea Devil Captain? Yeah. Like Chief Sea yeah. Devil just sounds like eh. <laughs> and it's just a mess. Uh, by the way, the guy playing him also same guy who played Carvinista. Uh, I guess he was just sort of used to being in the the goofy costume. Um, well, I will say like, I really like the line early on mm. where the doctor sees it and says Sea Devil. And it goes land parasite. It's like, yes. oh hey, what the? Hey that's a really good line because it's like, yeah, it is. It's kind of a pejorative if you think about yeah. sea devil. It's a little, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like Washington Redskins or something. It's like, oh exactly. yeah, you can see how and that she, would be offensive. Sorry. Yeah, th- which is what the doctor should have said, right? To really <laughs> lean into that moment. Uh, instead, the doctor's like, all right, don't, let's not get into name calling, um, which is not again a line that doesn't quite land. It's kind of funny. But also, the doctor is supposed to be kind of like aware of this stuff, right? Uh, this kind of thing. And if you've like, she should be aware that she started the name calling, uh, and or you know, the in her Pertwee incarnation, she started the name call. Like, let's have some yeah. sense of that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's such a mess, and it's so unfortunate. And it's interesting. So a lot of times on on Poltergeist, we've been to New Who episodes that have improved on a second viewing. That's sort of what we would expect. For for me, that this got worse, even as I researched and I delved into the story, that that just made ev- everything that I discovered about how great the story could have been, or uh, you know what what it was founded on, uh, and kind of rewriting the story in my head, made me more angry at this point, yeah. especially because of all of the effort that went into it. I mean, that massive set, the crew, mm. the CGI. It looks amazing. It is beautiful. It is. It's, it's a great looking episode for sure. Beautiful wallpaper. Possibly the most beautiful thing the Doctor Who has done yet. And and you have that scene under the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's constantly being undercut by the script. For example, the Doctor bringing up the date thing with Yaz. Not a oh, bad yeah. person to go on a date with. Like she brings that up, but then she doesn't lean into it. She doesn't walk. She walks yeah, it back by on. the end of the episode. She's telling Yaz uh, that they shouldn't be together. Should we talk about that now? Let's talk uh, about that now. It's the Yaz. biggest thing in this episode uh, because yeah. I think that the bolder choice. I understand why they did it, and the Doctor has gotten from Flux this this sense that that she doesn't have much time left in our incarnation. That's basically what she's telling Yaz, you know, uh, it's not just the fact that they are mismatched. It's not just a Highlander, you know, who mm. wants to live forever kind of scene. It It's also the fact that like, she knows her time is up. She doesn't know if her next incarnation would like Yaz. Right. Um, mm. So like, that's okay. But if so, say that a bit more, but secondly, I think the bolder choice would have to have her know that and say that, but lean into the relationship anyway. You know, would that, yeah, that would be more dramatically interesting. Well, exactly, because at this point, I think they're very aware that Whitaker's going to be out soon. Right. Like, why that not have them have a sort of torrid love affair for one episode? Exactly. You know, it's, it's very short. And exactly. definitely a bolder choice. Um, I, I, I almost would have preferred any choice than yeah. what they did here. One, I'll just say that it's not very fun. It's not, and I don't mm. necessarily think that's a requirement, but I I kind of was very cringy at sort of the awkwardness between the two of them and the dateline. And I get that's kind of the point, but looking at how Yaz is kind of, I hate to say it, but 
sort of simping on the doctor and mm. sort of looking at her in these wanting eyes and sort of waiting for some sign rather than being a bit more aggressive, you know, mm. like there are different approaches you could take. And I, I just feel like I, I wanted more de- decisiveness from both of them. Like yeah. her kind of saying, look, I'm really into you and I really need to know if this is going somewhere, like just being more direct about that. And the yeah. doctor also being more direct, even though they kind of do, but they kind of don't in that last scene. She's like, uh, so actually kind of two scenes where she's like, oh, if it, I'm not, I, I can't get attached to anyone. But if I were, it, it would totally be you. And then they're there yeah. on the beach and it's just this really sad, melancholy bit. And th- did it need to be like, did, yeah. is this, should this be what we're feeling? Like, oh, we're all so sad because we can't be together, even though you, there's not, a good reason we can't be um yeah it does actually yeah. read like you know Chibnall is sort of accused of being too like I'll, i'm not going to say the w word but let, let us say too progressive um <laughs> as as a writer i don't i think that he's not in in this situation i think he's he's pulling back from giving the doctor a lesbian relationship right yeah it, it does mean, seem like he's just like the, if the doctor feels that way have her lean into it yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't like to, I, I like to separate the politics of, uh, that we're perceiving mm-hmm. from, from the story itself. And I, I, I like to look, sort of analyze the story in its own merits. And mm. if we definitely feel, see that the doctor feels something for Yaz and the doctor having, rom- having love for his companions is obviously all almost always there. Having yeah. sort of romantic love has been played with um, certainly in new who you could argue through interpretation, some parts of the classic series. Yeah. Um, but this thing <laughs> where, let's not forget like, the TV I, movie yeah, and the TV. Right. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but this thing where she's not, she, she has feelings, but she's not letting herself feel them for some reason that isn't urgent. Right. Like I feel like mm. the way this was handled really, really well was actually in doomsday. And, you know, the doctor wants to be with Rose, right. but physically can't. And the story is written in such a way that it's it's so tragic because you think they they otherwise might have had this alternate uh, history where they actually, he actually kind of not quite settles down, but like zeroes in on one person, which would have right. been something very interesting. Uh, and and they, we, I think we all sort of feel that. Of that in, in Journey's yeah. End, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we do. We 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 want to feel this, and and it just like yeah, give them a one episode thing, and it's kind of of a piece with with Dan calling Di, uh at the very end, mm-hmm. like because because he's realised that he misses her, and like and and that kind of explains why he bows out in Power of the Doctor. But again, that's not really leaned into yeah. at all. Like you could yeah. have a scene of him, like he sees that they're happy together because they've decided to be together for one episode, and and that that would accentuate his desire to be with with Di, right? So it would serve the story in all sorts of ways. To have Yaz and the Doctor get together. Yeah, I feel like that relationship is so forgettable because you just yeah. he calls her on the phone, like, oh right, he has some friend who he wishes was more than a friend. I guess that was part of right. Flux, but so and much that was part of was going on in Flux was, that I yeah, barely remember he, it he's late for their date and he has a really freaking good reason why he's late for their date. Yeah. But like that is never, that reason is never anyway, we'll get on to the problems. Just with to kind of close, close my thoughts on that final scene with the doctor <gasps> and Yaz, I guess I would summarize it like this. I don't like either of them in that scene, but I'm more angry about not liking the doctor because I feel yeah. she's cowardly. Yes. I do feel, and that is 
a hell of an accusation, I know, for someone who says they shouldn't be cruel or cowardly, but I, I feel like mm-hmm. the, the whole line of it's like, can't this just be easy or something? She says something along those lines. And I feel like that is a line that's often used in fiction and with, with romances when, some, when a character essentially doesn't want to commit, but also doesn't want to say why. Yeah. And, and, it's and again, I think uh, th- this is one of the reasons why I think like, we we should be talking four or six episodes here. Uh, we should be talking classic who length, and I know that's just a fantasy because we don't have that anymore. But like that—that's what Chibnall seems to kind of gravitate towards. Would be better in, and I, I think you would give this uh, like a half episode this discussion, not just not mm-hmm. just shut it down with a really lame call back to stone skimming, you know, which is part of the yeah. plot at the beginning. Um, well, it also and, just feels uh, like we haven't gone anywhere, right? Yeah. Like we're back at the same place we started literally like literally emotionally mm-hmm. uh, story-wise, like nothing really happens here, even yes. though it's this sort of big episode from a budget perspective. And so seemingly big episode with regard to the doctor and Yaz yeah. and they just don't go anywhere. There's nothing. And you think about, so we've been to the waters of Mars. What's Mars sort of holds an equivalent position in like specials before the big finale. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, the ominous nature of the end of the Waters of Mars is one of the big things that everyone remembers of it. The, the Time Lord Victorious segment. It is the Doctor being what the Doctor is not supposed to be. So that would have an excellent analog here in the Doctor actually mm-hmm. uh, going off with the eyes. Now, admittedly, like I, I should say, I have a huge crush on Mandip Gill. I, I think, mm-hmm. like, she's big, biggest crush for me in Doctor Who since Sarah Jane. Uh, I think she is awesome. You know, I can think of a thousand reasons why, if I yeah. were the doctor, I'd want to date her. But definitely also, the best of the fam, I'll say. Yeah, right. But also, like, elucidate some of those reasons. Like, we don't mm-hmm. get that she, the doctor right. just says, oh, it, it would be you. And, and Yaz doesn't even know what she's talking about because the doctor doesn't kind of explain. And maybe explain with reference to not just bringing up the wife. And if you are going to bring up the wife, bring up the fact, you know how much of that relationship mattered and you just spent like in your last incarnation you just spent like 20 years with her at the singing towers you know mm, right. uh, like she obviously mattered a lot you could throw in a reference to rose like maybe we don't need to recap the whole of the romantic history of the new who doctors but at least like show, show that she's learned something from it what would she learn from rose that you have to say the things that you you don't you can't say before the other person disappears and goes off into another dimension. Um, You know, but there's, yeah, yeah, there's no sense of that. Well, and speaking of Yaz, I just, she, it's not a great episode for her, honestly. Like there's this relationship, but does she do anything other than the chatting with the doctor and following her around to the various times they go and under the sea. Then once they're in the sea devil headquarters, the doctor does pretty much all the talking and all the doing and raises the ship. And then there's the sword fight and, Yaz is just kind of around and along for the ride. I mean, she just doesn't really have much agency in this episode that is ostensibly about her in a big way. Yeah. So they go back to uh, the doctor and Yaz go back to the the wreck of the ship that, uh, that Madame Ching is looking for so that they'll be able to tell her where it is. And it, first of all, that was a side trip that didn't need to happen. And that, that should have been first for the cut. Yeah. Uh, and it, and you think it's going to be kind of cool and timey-wimey and maybe a bit sort of City of Death-ish, right? Different things are happening in different time zones. Uh, but it doesn't really uh, hold up to that promise. And and it just, it's kind of kind of pointless. Like, why why was Madame Ching searching for that wreck anyway? It makes no sense. Um, 
but you also know what, what what pisses me off about that just to get yeah. it I, I got a lot mm-hmm. of picks about this episode i'll really try to yeah, limit myself it. guys because we've been <laughs> all pretty negative already and again I'll, I'll mention some other good things i liked about it but i, I hate these things they do on ships often like mm. it's a bigger space than it is and when yaz and the doctor are on the ship and they're kind of observing what's going on oh, I, yeah. it just makes no sense to me they wouldn't be noticed <laughs> and this also applies to Dan and I think I forget the guy's name, Ying Ki or something. And mm-hmm. they, they get on Madam Ching's ship seemingly unnoticed and are just sort of hiding behind the mast. And yes, they are sort of found right away, which is exactly how it should go. Because how, But you shouldn't even have an expectation that you could hide, it yeah. feels like. Especially if it's so, like crewed by a bunch of sea devils and other people there in the past. Like How, how are they not immediately noticed? It's yeah, just, I mean, you could headcanon it by saying that there's some sort of extension of the TARDIS's perception filter. Eh. 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 But at least, it, at least that would, uh, you know, uh, would answer the, the question that you are quite rightly bringing up. I had the same thought. Um, yeah, but that isn't necessary. Jin Han isn't necessary, as I've said. He was, he was not an actual historical figure. Like the whole going back to the wreck isn't necessary. But if you're going to introduce the wreck, um, don't have, like... Again, this goes back to the need for for Dan or someone to be the one that the Doctor can explain historical things to. Mm-hmm. Like Dan just knows it. Dan just knows <laughs> the, the, about the the flawed dilemma. Which you know, again, that that part of the the, the ship itself is accurate. It, it is one of the sort of famous lost wrecks that we've never actually uncovered. It was kind of the Titanic of its era. Mm. We're, we're dipping briefly into the corner here. Uh, the floor we can go full on into the corner. And I think <laughs> it, it Dan's comment speaks well of the uh, Liverpudlian school system, I'll just say. Well, you know what? I mean, uh, it's, it, yes, I, I made that point. So as a, as a scouser myself, uh, yeah, of course, Liverpool is kind of steeped in seafaring history. Um, but oh, I was kidding. Least. I just felt like, like <laughs> you would never <laughs> learn about this stuff in like a, a British school, and it would just you know Liverpool, especially perhaps. I don't know. You wouldn't. I mean, maybe you know he he could say, "Well, I had some uncle, I had an uncle who liked to talk about shipwrecks, um, <laughs> something like that." And by the way, maybe another reason the randomizer brought us here in the, the wake of the Titanic submersible disaster. Mm. Um, but yeah, this, this is kind of the Titanic of its day. The Doctor could explain that. Um, and it, it's uh, yeah, there was a, there's a lot of lot of money on board it, but yeah, it would have been so much easier to have him not know about it, and then the doctor could be like, "Hey, I, f- I thought you were from Liverpool. I thought you all know about your knew about your ships, you know." Hmm. Um, which would have been a nice way to 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 flow that. Do you see how easily yeah. this this story yeah. is rewritten? And I like I like that because it also reminds you where Dan's from, and yes. you know it gets a nice little moment between the two of them and the Doctor showing. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Keep going frickin- on your revised version of Legend of the Z Devils, <laughs> and it gives Dan a freaking reason to be there. Hmm. Oh, good. Okay, right. Well, since we're already in the history corner, let's get Madame Ching out yeah. of the way. Let's so, go. Let's go with. The History Corner, which we need a little little uh, uh, Martin West-inspired uh, piece of music for. Uh, <laughs> sure whenever it comes to <laughs> So the History Corner. So Madam Ching uh, is a super fascinating character. Like She uh, she's, uh, was born in the, the late 18th century in the golden era of pirates. She was married to uh, a pirate named, uh, named Cheng, uh, which is her name literally just means 
she, she has a name in 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 Chinese that literally just means mm. you know Chang's widow. I'm not going right. to butcher it. Um, uh, to, but in in deference to uh, any Chinese speakers who may be listening, I'm going to try not to butcher any any Chinese. Clearly, uh, wasn't confined to the galley after getting married. Yep. Yep. So she just so he actually dies in 1807, which is 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 this. I forget. Is this set in 1808 or 1806? Uh, the legend of the 1807, I think. 1807. Yeah. So her husband's just that, like, what? what is she talking about? Her, her kids being kidnapped. Her husband's died that year. My goodness. Mm. She ends up, she's a bit of a Woody Allen, by the way. She ends up uh, marrying her stepson. Okay. Who her, uh, basically, she adopted. It was her husband's son. She ends up marrying him. Okay. Interesting. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Weird. I was trying to get at sort of the progressiveness of these pirates earlier, but <laughs> I guess <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's kind of weird. Progressive in other ways, like the, you know, a lot of lot of books on pirate utopias. Uh, mm. like it's it's a, it's a whole thing. Uh, but she had three hundred ships in this. My era. my my! Not just Impressive. one, three hundred. So to just give her one that she is crewing alone, right? Why? Why <laughs> Doctor Who? Why Chris Chibnall? Oh my God! So yeah, why she couldn't had, she just yeah, rally the troops? Three hundred ships and twenty thousand pirates, up to twenty thousand pirates. Yeah, um, well, if you if you're up against a floating sea devil thing with green cannons, I guess yeah. maybe that's doesn't really matter how many ships you have. Maybe they're all destroyed by the sea I mean, devils. Black, I guess there would be some Blackbeard, historical record of that. Just to give you a, a sense of scale, Blackbeard at his best had five hundred pirates under his command. Wow. Uh, she had 20,000. Okay, small her potatoes. Yeah, I mean, she was practically a nation state. Mm. And that's eventually what happens is she she does a deal. She does a uh, sort of very similar to what's happened with the leader of the Wagner group in Russia. Uh, kind of, you know, you just uh, just go yeah. off away, just expand your forces. We'll, we'll not, we'll let's not pay any attention to that. Yeah. That's kind of what happened. She was pacified uh, by the Chinese government. Nice ports you got there, Beijing. Would be a shame if something <laughs> blockaded them. Yeah, so she she sort of goes to war with everyone, the Portuguese and every seafaring power at this time. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's you know she's a marvelous, marvelous historical figure, and then she just sort of gives it up and and kind of dies in her bed because she's cut this deal that allows her a portion of her ships. Like she's an amazing. So she basically lucky. won the game, and she's like, "All right, yeah. I'm gonna retire." Yeah. But, yeah, she taps well, out. Good for her. Uh, right? I mean, she doesn't deserve to be known about. She does deserve to be read about. You know, well, she's she's not know, the only pirate queen in history, but she's certainly the biggest. It honestly sounds like the whole treasure thing here, which is kind of the MacGuffin. The mo- the mo- like, there's so many MacGuffins in this thing, it's, you, yeah. it's hard to keep track, but it's like... That's right. The treasure just feels so small time for someone like you're describing. Like, do you need treasure? She could just rally a few ships and just ransack whatever she wanted. And then yeah. there you go. Here's the treasure. Got some. Yeah. Why? How? And how could she possibly crew that ship on her own? And why? Would yeah, she that's to? true. It just <laughs> it boggles the mind. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that she would just be cowed by someone kidnapping her kids, mm. uh, and and just and then and you know throwing in the the fact that she sort of ends up like you almost get a romantic vibe with the the kid from the village. Mm-hmm. At the end, yeah, a bit. Uh, she agrees to take him on board, which maybe is a reference to the fact that she did marry her stepson uh, mm. after her husband died. 
Um, but not a great one, especially not as she killed his dad. Yeah, well, that's what I honestly felt with Ching here. They they kind of make her seem badass, but they don't actually have her do anything morally questionable, right? In fact, we're made right. to be sympathetic with her because of the kidnapping of her kids. And I, I, I feel like that's just a watered down decision, uh-huh. you know, oh, they, nice. thing. it's Baby. all wet. Mm-hmm. It's really, uh, you know, it's like an albatross. Uh, but, oh, the, <laughs> but yeah, like, I feel like they, like, she's not, she's definitely not portrayed as a warts and all picture of a pirate. Now, do you always need that? No. I mean, look at pirates of the Caribbean and Jack Sparrow and a lot of the characters there, but that that's much more clearly like a, almost like a send up of pirates in some ways. Right. Um, here, if you're trying to do something more historical, you know, honestly, like I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. And look to the smugglers, and you get <laughs> when you're saying that, you know, you're in trouble. <laughs> it's like the, the, the pirates are, are pretty badass and pretty mean, and uh, that it's just more be- more believable in that historical context. And once once you're there, and to have her sort of they're trying to give us history, but then it's it's really like uh, I wouldn't say a whitewashed in this case, but it is it is washed of the bad things pirates do that, that there's yeah. a reason they're pirates. They're not nice people. And I would love to have seen more of a darker edge to Ching it would have made yeah. her more memorable. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, I, you got to wonder if Tribunal thinks that's taken care of by the cold open where she attacks the statue and, uh, you know, basically by doing so causes the death of the dude's father. Um, but eh. it just, no. It's, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, no you don't even know who she is at that point. Works. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you kind of like that's just to establish the sea devil, like uh, not to take yeah. anything away from death or anything, but it's it's kind of incidental that the guy dies. It's more like oh, the sea devil's been freed and the game's afoot. That's the whole point of that scene. Um, which, if if we're retreating a bit from the corner at this point, uh, sure. by the way, great <laughs> stuff. Wow, the scale of that is amazing. Um, Thank you. I. I, I I just got a rapid fire really quickly, like a lot of the story points, because that that sea devil being freed and then a scene or two later, the ship comes that's floating with the sea devils in it. Like, where were they for 200 years? You know, because mm-hmm. you find out oh, they, they were they were around for 200 years. This guy got frozen is because of the trinket or whatever it is. And then the sea devils just went into hibernation. Because I think they actually use the word hibernation at some point. I could be wrong, but they just go away and decide, oh, our leader's gone. We can't do anything. Like there's no second in command that rises. And mm. again, I, I would, I know this is a Doctor Who fan thing to whine about, but it's like, well, how did the sea devils get free in the first place? Like that's yeah. never explained. Like where did they come from? There must have been some hibernation chamber that got activated or whatever or disturbed by someone. And they came like, what, what when did that happen? What? Yeah, and the, the doctor makes reference to to meeting them in the future, by which she means Pertwee, right? Right, uh, or maybe she means Davison, but maybe the less said about warriors, warriors from the deep, the better. Um, <laughs> you know, I can understand her skipping over that part of her history, um, <laughs> but yeah, at least if you're going to reference that, Chris Chibnall, then you you know you know what the the continuity problem is. Yeah, you're not that dumb. Um, you you just think that we are. <laughs> you just yeah. think that we're not going to notice. Like you know, you give us some of it, but not all of it. Like no, that's not how this works. Like throw in an extra line, dude. And there's that trinket they're after, which yes. 
I, the I guess it's the keystone. Okay, fair enough. Like it's this. It's a MacGuffin, one of the many mm-hmm. here, but it's a MacGuffin for the Sea Devils, which I always think like, well, wait, why is a piece of their technology a MacGuffin for them? Especially if they've had two hundred years to either reestablish that technology or find it. Like you know what I mean? Like I guess the implication is these are a, a almost like a refugee group. They're not full on Sea Devil civilizations. Fair enough, but. It just seemed like it was just this random thing that would power the, I guess, the the polar ice cap flipper in terms of the magnetic field. Right. Um, and and the dude is wearing it all along. Right, the, yes. The guy from the village. He's the wearing kid. it all along, which really makes the uh, sea devil captain, chief, whatever, Monassus, look like an idiot. Because he was standing right there. He was like, there the and, whole time. And it looks, Madam Ching looked like an idiot because she chopped into the statue to try to find it and freed the sea devil in the first place. Like, it just makes no sense. Make it make sense. Yeah, and no, that just felt like they could have made that more explicit on why this was such a thing they, they needed and couldn't replicate. Mm. But also, there's just random stuff they throw in, like the stars change, even yeah. though the polarity hasn't flipped yet. But even if it did flip, like, why would the stars change? Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Like what? The and they, stars they are still the stars. They don't. They don't flip around as you might expect if the polarity was being reversed thanks to new yeah. flow. Um, but they, they, yeah, they just sort of move. They, it just like looks like Earth is in a different uh, part of the universe altogether. The hell? Yeah. The hell? And how does flooding the land? Like, is it just that extreme sort of genocidal reaction to the land parasites, the humans? That the well, idea? It also seems really inconsiderate to the Silurians. I'll say that. Yeah. Like, even if you're like, okay, fair enough, I'm gonna flood the world, it's gonna be water world, all the humans are gonna die, and sea devils will thrive. Okay, sure. But Kevin Costner will live. I know. He's gonna adapt. Somehow he's gonna grow some gills and watch out <laughs> when he has that skip. Uh, oh, skip, God. skip something, whatever he had. Uh, <laughs> it might as well be a skip. <laughs> but it, the flooding, like, I mean, do they just assume all the Silurians are dead? And that they won't care, and or do they care at all what this is going to do to the ecosystem of the Earth? Uh, apparently not. Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, but and we know Chibnall knows his stuff here because he wrote Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, which has a Silurian arc. It's right. It's not like he's unaware of the Silurians. And here's the other thing. So the doctor mm. says that they she's created an air bubble around the TARDIS when they're in mm. the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. The, TARDIS gets nice. taken to the sea devil base by the the thingy, uh, the Kraken, I don't know, whatever it is, the sea monster. <laughs> and <laughs> they come out of the TARDIS and what, but is, are we, I, I couldn't tell if the air bubble was still happening, right? Yeah. Because they get pretty far from the TARDIS. They're getting really close to the sea devils and there's no visual for the air bubble. And I was like, wait a minute, is the sea devil base full of air? Like, yeah. why would the sea devil base be full of air if they're underwater creatures? Like, I get they're amphibious. Mm-hmm. All I could think of is like, I guess they need either combustion or electricity of a certain vein that water would screw up, which also makes me think, well, why? how did the civilization ever do anything if that was the case, right? Yeah. Like, there are good reasons to have air if you need it for technology, but putting your whole base as full of air when you're sea creatures 
Yeah, and what? and that's I mean we didn't we didn't even mention that that sort of Leviathan Kraken figure whatever it's yeah. called, which is a really well realized creature. Like there's almost a Jaws like moment where it comes the fin comes out uh, of the ocean, like it gets that little fisherman. Which again, my reaction was like, why waste this on a tiny little fisherman that we don't care about? Mm, you yeah. know, let's just sort of see that scene, but may have it maybe attacking the ship that has characters on that we care about. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. One of the most beautiful bitey creatures I've ever seen in Doctor Who. Like, yeah, yeah, jaws Got beyond jaws, beyond jaws, beyond jaws. Uh, it just reminds me of that old uh, line about uh, moray eels, uh, sung to the, the tune of "That's a moray." Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> when when the jaws open wide and there's more jaws inside, that's a moray. Oh, uh, um, yeah, I love that. J- more jaws inside, love it. But yeah, it's not clear how. What, do they escape from the monster and then they get and then they transport themselves to the base or is the monster take to the base are they inside our natural assumption is they're jonah in the belly of the whale at this point right yeah totally that they're, that they're inside this that it's not it the small, base. so i guess it, it, they sea devils made it throw up the doctor or worse i guess yes. <laughs> to <laughs> to get it out of it you know, I don't know. One, of, one of the if you have accidentally swallowed a tardis uh, salt water is really help helpful to uh, to regurgitate it just a little little pro tip for parents out there correct me if i'm wrong is that the last we see of it we might there might be one more scene with it but yeah at some point it just stops appearing and it's never uh, they, dealt I with they, like they get it with the cannons i think oh there's no I way they get they, they shoot cannons at it but that doesn't do anything I, I just think they just forget about it after a while yeah. and there's basically it's basically an unresolved plot thread there's a sea monster in 19th century waters of of china just wandering around which you know sounds actually like a pretty good <laughs> a, a big finish <laughs> pretty good big finish sequel that could be coming up here uh but it is like one of these things they have this like you have the sea monster and, and it just it's just there it's just not resolved yeah, I, I think they about- added this to 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 make up for the murka by the way in warriors of the deep just because oh, that's sort of was, famously well, we'll get there when we get there. But it's yeah. <laughs> it's shall we say an infamous monster in Doctor Who history, and so I think they wanted to give the Sea Devils sort of a proper beast to control, mm. which is fine. But I just think as a plot thread, you can't just leave it hanging there at the end. That just yeah. seems sloppy. It's uh, so much of this is sloppy. So much of the continuity is sloppy. Like it's it just from the doctor Yaz and Dan arriving on the beach where it's not raining. And then suddenly they rush over to the village where somehow it is raining. Mm. Right. And, and speaking of that village, this village just has this statue of a sea devil, well, attacking yeah. a tiny human creature. Yeah. What is with that tiny human creature? First of all, like what actually is, if there's a real sea devil inside there, what's the human? Uh, and, 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 and why would the village just accept the statue? Yeah. And, and why, if one guy has been tasked with protecting the statue and, and he's in there, like you see him in the cold open. I re I had to rewatch the cold open to see this. Like the guy isn't even interested. Everyone else in the village has run indoors. He's supposed to be the one tasked with protecting the statue. He's actually working on something else entirely. And he's like, Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, something is wrong out there. You say I, why I didn't hear all these screams. Yeah, well, why even leave it as a statue, right? Like yeah. the sea devil gets turned into stone or encased in something, and we're, you're just going to leave it? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's super dangerous. Like, and if you're tasked with protecting it, like, yeah, bury it under your house and put a million locks on it and make sure there's no trace of this thing. And sea devil, what sea devil? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know? uh, no statue here, sir. 
yeah, and wouldn't other villagers like villagers are famously superstitious people? What the <laughs> hell would they think of this? Uh, oh God! I mean, yes, we could go on all day. We could. We could go on all day. I, and you really need to stop. That's that. That's mostly yeah. the end of my list of things to pick at. But I, I feel like we just to pace ourselves. Like we have to. We've mentioned a few things that are good. The production values, mm. some of the lines. I think Jody Whittaker does get some fun lines, even though this script I feel like should be more fun. Uh, just generally, both the love story and the the piratey stuff. But I really like No Ship Sherlock. Like when she's yes. there at the bottom. Like, like, yes. No ship, Sherlock. Uh, no yeah. ship, Sherlock. And and it's so uh, wonderfully innocent, right? That if you don't know the line that it's referencing, then it you know you would you would just sort of kind of take oh that's a thing the doctor just said. But it, it to my mind is one of the most thirteenth uh, Doctorish things that that she ever says. Mm, yeah. like it's the one thing that sounds better in her voice. Like you can't you could imagine say matt smith delivering it but it would it would come out wrong but jody has sort of the the i don't know it just sort of seems to define her character yeah, really she has well. a, she has a sort of a very natural playfulness that mm. isn't over the top like if you just to convert contrast it with someone else in this script dan dan saying that would be just dumb and kind of goofy yeah. and you'd kind of laugh with it but you wouldn't you wouldn't sort of wryly smile and think oh yeah that's actually kind of clever and what would but jody pulls that off she so does. points to her. Yeah. She has a few other lines like that. Um, I will say that the sea devils themselves, even though the leader's inept, the story makes no sense. That's that's disrespectful to Doctor Who continuity for these monsters. They look good. This is the best the sea devils yeah. have ever looked on screen. It's really good that they decided to go with the classic look to model it after, but then give those sort of CGI eyes instead of like the yeah. the the googly eyes they have in the original. And they're not sort of kind of walking into walls like they are in like the Warriors of the Deep. They're clearly, yeah, you know, moving the, like the warriors, eyes, even if the, the script isn't serving them well. Yeah, the eyes are great, and it is just unfortunate that you have the the statue blinking as well. To, to yeah. like, how does that work? Just pile on yet another thing that doesn't make sense. Uh, it's unfortunate that that their mouths don't move. Like, that's still the problem with the prosthetics. Uh, but they do seem to have synced the eye movement with with the speech, so that sort of like feels more realistic. Anyway, yeah, I, I don't like. I want to give points to everyone on the crew for the production of this. Mm. And it's part of what makes me so angry. I think angrier than any anything I've ever been on pulled over before. Even when we were discussing <laughs> rage quitting, I don't think I was this angry. And it's because there was so much effort, so much work. Yeah. Like if you're listening and you're part of Legend of the Sea the Devils crew, I salute you. Uh thank you. And uh, I'm sorry that the script was so so ill serving. Yeah, it's a shame because it, it does feel like it's one of the episodes where they finally had time to make Doctor Who because so yeah. many decisions are made on the show that are kind of bad or compromising decisions because they just don't have time. They don't have time to edit the script, reshoot something, etc. This is evident all over the classic series. Even in the new series, it's kind of a really demanding schedule when they're making it. But this is a special, it they that, that they kind of lose that excuse. Like they had time. And mm. yes, COVID, fair enough. It was probably tougher than other times. Um, but to sort of the reverse example of that, I believe, is The Waters of Mars. And I said at the time of that podcast, it felt like an episode where they they had time to make this story. And in Waters of mm. Mars, they sort of thought about everything from the sets to the, the beats, the turn at the end, and really made sure everything was close to perfect. 
And here they did that from a production standpoint, but they simply didn't do it from a story standpoint. And it's sad. It's too bad. Yeah. So yeah. I think I ahead and chain Chris Shibnall. Yes, and we'd have some questions for you if you were here, sir, but <laughs> instead instead we have our own questions, which we will now answer, and those are of course the four questions to Doomsday. First question, why did the randomizer take us here? Well, now we've we've already had the obvious answers. There's the pirate thing. Uh, there's the, uh, you know, the, the sea devil's connection with Pertwee, the randomizer's obviously been into Pertwee, but I also think that the randomizer brought us here and this, I'll get back to this in the fourth question, because it did get at this issue of what do we do that we, we were talking about this in the mutants. What do we do when there's a really pretty looking episode that you kind of like to have on in the background as wallpaper, like with those groovy caves, in uh in the mutants like I, I really love to have that on as wallpaper in the background at a, at a party of doctor who fans like and the same with this like the best thing you can do with the legends of sea devils is just put it on the background at a party and let people make up their own their own script because it's going to be better <laughs> guaranteed <laughs> but it looks freaking beautiful so i think the randomizer wanted us not just to you know uh, put its pirate curse on us and uh, not just uh, remind me of the one year anniversary since the last time I saw Doctor Who with my dad alive in the same house and all of that stuff. But also like it really wanted us to zero in on this question of what, what happens when it's pretty wallpaper. Um, but like just the, the story makes no sense. Like that's, mm-hmm. I think, I think the randomizer wanted a new rating and that's why I've come up with one, but oh, wow. I'm leave that as foreshadowing. I'm intrigued more so than I ever was during this entire story. Um, <laughs> see, I know how to do story beats, Chris Chebnall. Call me. See, my my connection was just much more straightforward. The Mutants is one story after the Sea Devils. And so <laughs> it's kind of bookending yeah. that. Um, yeah. The other thing I guess that I saw was that the, Bill in Knock Knock, which we just did, she mm. sort of mentions slash asserts her sexuality a bit when Yes. She tells one of the guys interested in her that uh, she's gay. And obviously here we see not, f- <laughs> we see a, a, a essentially a lesbian relationship developing yeah. between the doctor and at Yes. Well, we do. Uh, it doesn't really come to fruition, obviously, but it is. It's Bill there. does like this, this plays into my whole theory of how the doctor like imprints a lot of stuff from the last thing he or she sees at the, the end of their regeneration or the last person they see. Hmm. The last thing that Bill says to the doctor uh, before he goes into the events of Twice Upon a Time is, you you know, you remember I like women, right? Just saying. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's something along those lines. And, and the doctor clearly, like, that's clear foreshadowing. But but I just like that, that, that the doctor might have just sort of taken that and just really ran with it. Like the doctor right. is more, more Bill-like in this incarnation because uh, he imprinted on, on Bill at the end of the last one. I'll take that. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, here, here we see it come to fruition. But of course, in Knock Knock, Bill isn't, and then throughout that season, you know, Bill isn't given the luxury of having a girlfriend. All of her girlfriend situations go wrong, uh, which is unfortunate. But and kind of again, par for the course as a Doctor Who companion. Yeah. True, true. But at least Rose had Mickey as an actual boyfriend, right? Well, and yeah, Amy had Rory. 
Exactly. You um, know, it, it does it does happen. It could have happened to Bill. It could have happened with the Doctor and Yaz. It didn't. It's unfortunate. It needs to happen sooner or later. Mm. Although, doesn't Bill, she ends up with her girlfriend at the very end. Oh, yeah, with her yeah. twice upon a time. Yeah, the, so the puddle comes back. But well, no, the, it's I mean, at the end real. of uh, the Doctor Falls. Oh, the end of the Because twice oh, upon okay. a time, she's testimony. She's not actually Bill. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Okay, so yeah, but that does feel like a little bit of a band-aid <laughs> on the whole situation. Spoilers uh, galore in this episode yeah. of Full to Open, but I'm sure everyone Seriously. knew that. All righty, moving on to the second question, which is, what if the evil plot had succeeded? Okay, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, for the benefit of non-YouTube viewers, I'm putting my head to my hand again as I try to figure out what the hell evil plot was. Well, yes. I think... All we have to do is imagine the Sea Devils aren't completely inept warriors, even mm. though their whole thing is that they're warriors. Uh, yeah. And they either are have actually decent with a sword or they get some of the guns from Warriors of the Deep and just kill everybody at the end. Mm. Um, so everybody's dead. Maybe the Doctor isn't. And they decide to keep her prisoner the same way they kept Ji Hun prisoner which was really really mm. dumb by the way <laughs> why would you even do that keep that guy alive for 200 years as quote-unquote punishment yes your punishment is now you're immortal yeah <laughs> we know how you humans hate that you just love to die so um they they flip the polarity of the earth uh, everything's flooded yeah, there's more of those sea monsters and it's and sea they, devil they, earth presumably yeah they they now wake up uh, the rest of the sea devils and then like hey surprise yeah and uh, this is where i'm like well don't the silurians also wake up and go like whoa whoa what are you doing whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yes so basically what happens is the silurians have this kind of massive uh cleaning cloth above, above <laughs> earth that they sort of drop like now we're gonna soak this all up and uh yeah yeah well, all they I, have I to think, do is right. is mess with the van allen belt i think and mm. more, more water becomes water vapor <laughs> uh not to bring up a character that you hate but madame vastra uh would be around at this time <sighs> right i know i know i know but let's just talk continuity would like, you know oh, okay I guess 1807 yeah, but I mean, she would still be around. It's just that she's in the sewers under London, and, and then and then the Doctor, in an off-screen adventure, convinces her to become a lady detective. Um, by the end of that century, right? Gotcha. Okay, but so but she 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 also though this has become the Madame Vastra podcast. She seems remarkably disinterested in reviving her race. That's what I would right. say. So I don't know but which if, she would want to be involved other than if the whole world's flooded. Yes, I think you were about to say she yes, are, exactly. obviously already has some stakes in it. She, I, I can then see Madame Vestra becoming the leader of the Silurians and, and leading this effort to clean up the mess, the literal watery, you know, city-filled mess that the Sea Devils have created. Hmm. Uh, or, or stop it before it starts. Like, you know, maybe she her spidey sense starts tingling and, and she jumps in like, yeah, I think what we're, what we're arriving at is there's no way this evil plot can succeed. Uh, cause they yeah. sea devils already have their, their bosses as it were. Their, right. Their Silurian cohort. And they're not going to like this. So basically they start flipping cause it wouldn't, it would be gradual too. Right. It's not like exactly. flip the polarity and then everything's flooded the next day. It's like gradually yeah. the, the ice caps melt. 
is uh, that's yeah, what I got as, from that. As we know here, and again, I feel like they were trying too hard for a, for a climate change metaphor here. Mm. Uh, the problem is that it happens too slowly, and, and humans are not paying attention. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, there would be plenty of time to sort mm-hmm. it out. You know, maybe Madame Vastro picks up uh, the Doctor's sonic screwdriver and reverses reverses the polarity of the Earth's <laughs> neutron flow again the other way. Uh, yeah. Oh God. So it doesn't work. Sea devils, you're done. Yep. All right. I will say yep. they are very evil. Like I said, the the flooding the planet, the the mean to the guy thing, the, mm-hmm. the weapons I already mentioned. I mean, this is a bad sea devil leader. It's just too bad he's incompetent. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to the third question: Where is the Clara Splinter? Clara Oswald, of course, splintered in time at the end of the name of the Doctor. She is somewhere in every single Doctor Who story. Where is she in Legend of the Sea Devils? Oh my God! I mean, there are you. You need so many Claras to make this <laughs> story make sense. Like she's pulling off the localized rain in the village to make that rain, but not the beach. Uh, she's convincing Yaz to, to dress down as a pirate. Uh, you know, so that he'll later have that hook with, with which to save himself in the battle. Like it just Dan. Uh, oh, I thought yeah. you just meant. I think you said he has Dan. Dan rest as a pirate. Yeah. By yeah, the way, yeah. we never we never mentioned w- Jody Whitaker's outfit in this one, which is really nice. I mean, I think yeah. we mentioned it at the beginning, but like we didn't we didn't talk about how great it is. Obviously, they made a lot of it in the various press material around this one. There was a lot of photos of her. Uh, in, in the promotional photos with Jodie Whittaker in it. Um, she looks great. So yeah. yeah, good for her. Yeah. The, the Chinese outfit is lovely. Maybe, maybe Clara has left the doctor a message, uh, saying actually, this isn't going to be a beach holiday. Uh, it's not when you think it is, uh, you know, where, where this Chinese outfit, it'll go better for you. Uh, but you'd think then she would have added a little thing like don't wear earrings. Uh, maybe she does need to wear earrings is it is it just me or the doctor both the doctor and yaz have way more earrings in this story yeah Uh, like that kind of kicks it off is the the doctor's earring getting pulled towards the um the 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 anomaly i'll I'll just call it yeah which again is another plot thread they did just for that scene and just kind of forgot about um, uh, so, so maybe Clara is the uh, the <laughs> the earring specialist who kind of you know just does it's so many like the earrings are on special, and she has to make sure that the doctor and Yaz have all of the earrings so that they will be aware. Uh, because otherwise, they wouldn't have gone to the nearby village, right? They they wouldn't have been aware that something's amiss. Maybe they would have gone back in the TARDIS, uh, and this whole adventure wouldn't have happened, and the Sea Devils would have flooded the earth. So that seems to, I'm going to say that there's the most convoluted mm-hmm. roundabout way for a convoluted roundabout story uh, to insert Clara. And in. she's, she's the earring lady. That's not bad. Uh, I thought of her as essentially the person who gives the Kraken a good home. So <laughs> yes. at the end of this adventure, yeah. it's just kind of lost and potentially a big destructive force to ships or whatever. And Clara here has maybe she has an island maybe she has you know she's the lonely fisher fisherman woman somewhere mm. and basically makes it yeah, a pet got, and we, we we don't see any women in that uh, fishing village by the way do we it's uh I don't think we do really yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's another mutants problem of like what are all the women 
which is kind of kind of sad, given that we're we're all about representation, pirate queens here. So, um, but yeah, I, maybe, I just love the idea of kind of like maybe almost like a goofy type Disney movie of a girl and her giant monster, yeah. and just <laughs> yes. making friends and then just having some adventures for however long the monster lives. Which maybe it's a thousand years. I don't know. We still got to see a sequel to this, but. She tames maybe. it. She makes sure it's nice and well-behaved from now on and just helps people. Yeah, whenever Big Finish gets around to its Clara and Me series, maybe that can be uh, that can be one of it. Uh, or maybe Big Finish is going to get around to a Clara Splinter series. Just different Claras. Uh, I'll tell you what, what would make the most exciting story is if Clara is the one who's temporarily taken charge of Madame Ching's giant fleet of thousands Ooh, of sailors and hundreds of ships. Clara the Pirate Queen. Oh man. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's good stuff. I'd love to see maybe she Madame Ching has to fight her to get control back of maybe that's where her ships are, right? Like yep. Clara's usurped her. And now exactly. they have this big throwdown and then she calls up the Kraken. Yeah. To and and that's why side. she has to that's why she has to retire in the end, because it's actually the battle with Clara. Uh-huh. With the, the Portuguese or the British or the Chinese. Um, that that wore her out, and she's and Clara's like, you know, you're, you're too good for this. Why don't you retire while the going's good? You know, that could be the the end of the big finish special. My God! Not only have we rewritten Legend of the Sea Devils, we've have like <laughs> at least three sequels that are infinitely oh better. So many spinoffs. RTD call us. But we ha- now it's the time, folks. Though for the last question, the ultimate question, the only question that matters for Legend of the Sea Devils. What did we think of this story? The Polto Open Rating System has, uh, at presently, five ratings. <laughs> those are, of course, the Dalek, which we give to a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, mm-hmm. which we give to a bad episode of Doctor Who. A Professor Hater rating, which we give to a not-so-good episode. But, hey, at least they tried something or we learned something. The Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best. And the rarely used fixed point in time, which is an episode that is beyond rating for whatever reason. Often reasons of nostalgia, but sometimes other reasons. Okay, right, I'll go first so, on this one. Yeah, you, you, have, you have a surprise. Yeah, yeah uh, this is a dramatic structure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is I mean, a dramatic structure here on Pull to Open. You could probably tell by the weight of negative comments versus positive <laughs> comments in our commentary that I'm going straight for the Ogron. And mm. it's a little bit influenced by how we render our poll on Spotify, where if you're on Spotify, by the way, you can have your say in addition to our say, just go ahead to the poll mm. feature on your app. But we use little emojis to designate uh, the Viscount banger all the way down to the uh, Ogron. And the Ogron is actually the angry emoji. So angry, mm. you're swearing emoji. And that mm-hmm. perfectly encapsulates my feeling as I was watching this episode. Like I was so angry. I was cursing under my breath. Uh, it's a fail. They should have known better. No, yeah. not a good episode of Dr. Who. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have had to have reluctantly gone with you with the Ogron, but I, I was desperate not to, like I, I kept thinking like, can, is there any way I can rate this a professor hater? Because I feel like, Oh, they they tried. They tried to introduce us to pirate history. They tried to introduce us to an area of world history that we're, we're not that familiar with. You know, that's what Doctor Who is supposed to do, and you know, it's what Marco Polo did, and uh, you know, 
and it's and it's so beautiful. Like, can I please just give it a Professor Hater? But once I realized they don't tell you a damn thing about Madame Ching, not one thing that you can take with you, and there's so much to say. I can't. I can't give it a Professor Hater because they did not Professor Hater us. Mm-hmm. So I thought about this, and I thought back to the problem with the mutants. And, and, and we've just sort of seen this before. Like there, there, there are stories in Doctor Who history where I've sort of said, this is, this is beautiful. It's beautifully put together. It just sort of means nothing, right? It's, it's paper thin. It's wallpaper. It's, it's just like tissue thin wallpaper. And I was like, well, what in Doctor Who is, you know, beautiful, but meaningless, uh, you know, beautiful, but sort of inept tissue thin. And I thought of Lady Cassandra. Okay. Oh, yeah. And From uh, yeah. End of the World and uh, exactly. North. Yeah. Exactly. Lady Cassandra, played by Zoe, want to make a beautiful, beautiful character. She is basically wallpaper. Uh, <laughs> she is all concerned <laughs> with her beauty. Moisturize me. Moisturize me. Uh, and, you know, and you could just sort of have her in the background, like use her as wallpaper. Like it, she's sort of a, a bit, mm. kind of doesn't make sense, a bit complainy. Uh, but yeah, beautiful. Let's give her that. Let's give her the beauty. And I feel like we need to, you know, for a, a story that addresses uh, gender imbalance in Doctor Who, uh, we need to address the gender imbalance in our rating system, which has a Viscount banger, uh, but no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no lady anything. So let's, let's well, make and it a, a professor lady hater. Uh, or no, professor hater. genderless, yeah. I guess. Uh, <laughs> the, I will say the Viscount banger is the father of a female person in doctor who that so is true is that that is uh, true but you, you know fair point so what do you what do you think the lady cassandra for for doctor who that's just sort of pretty wallpaper uh it concentrates on its beauty and doesn't re- really mean anything plot wise but you can have it on the background <laughs> is this an official rating you know what i'm gonna pass this one to the fans and do you guys think we need a sixth rating for doctor who as wallpaper and i'm trying to think how often this would be used probably well we you did say the mutants could be one of them yeah. so it could be classic I, I would or actually, new if if we're allowed to do this i would like to retroactively change the mutants to a lady cassandra all right pull to open fans let us know i think this is this will be our first thread thread <laughs> yes <laughs> wherever you, you are twitter threads <laughs> or any other social network give us a comment on what you think yeah. of this new rating and whether we, we should integrate it in or if i should simply force chris to pick something <laughs> just say the ogron say the o word you know uh, what we we had the professor hater to fill in a need mm. uh, a niche like it's not, i'm not ra- making these ratings randomly i'm gonna make my case here and but i, I love I, like, I actually like that that we're going to end it on it. We're going to end Paul to open on a cliffhanger mm. because once again, we're showing how dramatic structure works. And I really hope Chris Chibnall that you're listening because the, the cliffhanger that you've got here that we've got here, of, are we going to have a sixth rating or not is more exciting than anything in legends of the sea devils makes more <laughs> sense and has more dramatic structure to it. So, so there we Amen go. to that. All right. With that, we're going to close the book on legend of the sea devils and open another book. But which page of that book? It's the book Mm. of Doctor Who, the television series. And to find the page, we're going to activate the randomizer. That's right. We're going to flick randomly through the giant book of Doctor Who, pick a random page. We're going to actually close our eyes. And uh, when you, the listener, shout stop, that's when we stick our finger on a page. No, (laughs) well, until we can do that, 
I'm sure that will be by the by the end of Pull to Open, you know, in the in the dim and distant future, we'll be able to have that level of interactivity. We can't right now. So instead of you, dear listener, telling us when to stop and stick our finger on a page, we're going to use uh, a little thing we like to call the executor, uh, which goes together with the uh, the codex, which is our list of Doctor Who in weirdly non-random order <laughs> uh, of stories. And uh, the executor is played by random.org, which has bespoke randomness. It counts the amount of sea devils slash Silurian spaceships in the atmosphere and and gives you a random number based on that no it's atoms bouncing around the atmosphere uh better than actual you know fake randomness that computers generate with algorithms uh so i am at the controls of random.org pete has the codex how many stories are left sir well there are 212 doctor who stories we have not wow. visited 212 we have reached the New York area code uh, the, <laughs> of 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 stories two hundred and twelve. Wow! And, well, now yeah. you've just you've just inspired my challenge for the randomizer. Oh, give us a New York story. Give us a New York story. <laughs> There's been a few. Hey, there we go. Uh, or you know what? Uh, since this will be for our two hundred and second episode, isn't two o two New Jersey? Ooh, is it? God, I still have my. I have a. I've got a cell number. I, I still have my New York area code, which technically or is it Washington DC. I may have got that completely wrong. I, I think it is DC. Yeah, like nine seven three. Well, actually, I think it's another New York one. But anyway, it's not. I don't think it's. <laughs> Who knew we get sucked into area code debates? Anyway, <laughs> uh, it is not four one five for San Francisco. I'll tell you that. Um, all right, so two one two is the number. With that is the max. The min is one. Um, you know, Min One will be uh, an unearthly child. Max Two Hundred Two will be the power of the Doctor because we haven't done either of those yet. And um, all we need now is your challenge for oh. the randomizer, and we can proceed. Yes. Uh, so your your challenge was give us a New York. <laughs> yep. New York, either okay. the setting or mentioned. Uh, I'm going to say because that gave Legend of the Sea Devils gave us such a bad taste in our mouths. Let's wash it out with a another water-based adventure of some sort. Like uh, you know, mm. Water Mars would have been a good one for this. But underwater uh, menace, perhaps. Yeah, give us something watery or like you know the uh, oh under the, under the lake was a good one. Before ah, the there you go. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I mean, like, you know, you like Capaldi, don't you, Randomizer? Um, you know, just some something like that. I've already done Fury from the Deep, but yeah, there's so many, so many options still out there. Let's let's go. I'm all in. I'm I'm what Chris Chibnall was not the Legend of the Sea Devils. I'm all in on on the watery stuff. Are, uh, are you into an episode that the characters just drink a lot of water? Yes, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> all right, all right. Give me a countdown. We'll go there. Here we go. In four. Three, two, one. Like a letter. One hundred and eighty-four. We're okay. new. Who. We're definitely new. Who, and we are at Flatline. Oh, okay. So no water. No New York. No New York. <laughs> but a Lately very ignored. tiny TARDIS. Teeny tiny TARDIS. Well, it's teeny tiny TARDIS time. We're back at the randomizer's favorite doctor. It's Come basically on, like. Me doesn't when it's not enthused by our challenges i think the randomizer just falls back on its favorites and that is completely okay flatline this will be a good one yeah very notable for a lot of reasons uh, actually 
what is the the name of the character in it that we've already encountered in Face the Raven? Oh, good question. Um, Rigsy. Yeah. Rigsy. Rigsy. Yeah. Yes. So we'll have a Rigsy bingo. Nice. Yeah. All right. It'll be good to see him again. And it'll be good to see you too again on the next episode of Pull to Open. Uh, Pete, where, where can the good people find us? You can find us all over the socials that we've mentioned multiple times on Pull to Open 63 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and threads. Pull to Open, all one word, on TikTok, youtube.com slash pull to open. Please let us know on any of those places whether we should have a sixth rating for our Pull to Open rating system. Uh, we might just add the Cassandra if you like it. Yeah. If yeah, you're we're going to put polls all over the place, or at least that, I am. That's right. So, Cassandra, you may be visiting Pull to Open a lot more often. By the way, if you're on Spotify, you can today, right now, rate this episode from one of our five ratings that we currently <laughs> have. And is it a Professor Hater? Is it an Ogron? Is it a Viscount Banger? I'd be very pleased to hear if anyone really, really liked Legend of the Sea Devils. Yeah. Let us know what you like. And go ahead, if you do leave your rating, you, you feel free. This is optional. Go to the Q&A feature and just give us a comment as well. That'd be fantastic. So we could have a little more context sometimes on what you think of it. Folks, we will see you back here very, very soon for... A little bit on what was the thing we just went to? No. Flatline. <laughs> flatline. That was it. Yes. Why did that just leave my head? We uh, will not be things. flatlining. We will not be flatlining next week. We'll my brain flatlined just then. It was like we. <laughs> <laughs> I was because we were. I was referencing Cassandra. I was all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. No, wait. We're not going to the end of the world. We're going to what was it? See, um, see the Cassandra. She gets in your head. Uh, Zoe Wanamaker. Right uh, please, please do write in. Let us know if you would like us to uh, base base a rating on your immortal character. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Let us know what you think, folks. Uh, be good to hear from you, and it will be good to see you again next time, right here next week for Flatline. Okay, moisturize me. Take care. <laughs>